Hey Vibers, it's Kai. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Vibe with Kai podcast. Today, I'm sitting with television producer, actor, and screenwriter, the one and only Dave Finkel. Before we get started today, please be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platforms at The Vibe with Kai, or visit my official website at thevibewithkai.com, where I'm always posting things that'll help you do good, feel good, be good, and live a good life full of good vibes. Enough talk out of me. You don't want to, you're not here for me today. You're here for this guy. My guest today is Dave Finkel, <laughs> television producer, actor, screenwriter, who is most known for his work on such shows as uh, such as United States of Terror, 30 Rock, New Girl, among many other things. Mr. Dave Finkel, how are you, my friend? Very good. Very, very good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I can't complain. You know, I know this is your first time here on my podcast. Just so you know, I ask the hard-hitting questions. Sure. You know, it's, I, I like those gotcha questions. You know, that's what I do. Yep, bring it on. Bring it on. All right. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, you work you work in Hollywood, which means that you clearly are trying to destroy the fabric of society oh, yeah. by sacrificing the blood of a baby lamb in order to appease our evil overlords. Obviously, how is that going for you? And follow up question: Are the gods appeased? We are winning. <laughs> the it. gods, the gods are never appeased. The bloodlust runs deep. Uh, you know. <laughs> Once they tasted blood, they just want more. So it's just want more. The pound of flesh becomes a you know a giant sack of flesh. It's not <laughs> better, better, better. Do you so, get uh, people? Do you get people that that honestly come up to you or say uh, say things to you that you know like uh, like things along those lines that just make you laugh? Like I'm not saying that Hollywood's perfect, but because by God, by God, it's not. But do you ever laugh at some things that you hear and you're like, what? What, what is this cult that you're speaking of? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 So the, the 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 awareness of people that actually do this for a living who aren't aware of how it actually works. The amount of actors that like step in and go like, "Are you the one that writes for me?" Like, I know that's not how it works. I don't write for one character. I don't write just like a bunch of disconnected lines and then have somebody else write the other side of the conversation. That's, that's not like, how it works. I've been going. I have to get rid of half of my questions now. <laughs> well, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to retrain everybody's focus. You worked on. You've worked on a lot of different things, man. You've worked on uh, New Girl, which, by the way, and we're going to get into this because I'm watching it for the first time. I've never seen oh, it before. Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm watching it for the first time. New Girl, United States of Terror, 30 Rock. Uh, you did the Friends spinoff, Joey, uh, yep. Just Shoot Me, Pinky and the Brain, yep. George Lopez. How 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 did this all – this obviously just all fell into your lap and you didn't work hard at all for this. Uh, yeah, no, how, did, it, <laughs> how did that come to be? I'm just magical in that way. I didn't really do any work. I just show up and they give me money. It's perfect. It's perfect scenario. Doesn't everyone work that way? No, uh, you know, it all started, my partner, I have a partner that I've been working with for 28 years now, 27, 28 years. Um, we both started off in um, sketch comedy together mm-hmm. uh, out here, out in LA. I live in Portland now. I said out here, but I'm actually, it's out you there. Defected. You defected away. <laughs> I did. I got out. I heard about that. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, they, uh, so we were doing sketch comedy in a, in a company called Acme, Acme Comedy Theater. It's still, it's still around. And somebody, a friend of Brett's wife's came to see us in a show and loved some of the stuff we were doing. And he was like, hey, do you want to come pitch on Animaniacs? Which nice. was, you know, at the time it was still in its heyday. And we came and we pitched a bunch of stuff and he bought one. Um, and then once we wrote that and it, it, you know, it was a relative success. It was about Hem- Ernest Hemingway because kids love 
Hemingway. Um, and uh, we, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he brought us in a pitch on Pinky the Brain, and we segued that into, there was a moment, remember the WB, Dubba Dubba? So I do, very much so, yeah. Yes, well, you're, you're of a certain age. Um, <laughs> Get uh, off my lawn, Dave. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, wanted their, they wanted their Simpsons over there. So they thought, ah, Pinky and the Brain could be our Simpsons. So they developed that into a primetime series that this will shock you. It didn't work. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but, but I found myself within you know, a month of working in primetime TV pitching to Steven Spielberg, which was you know, surreal to say the least. Sorry, excuse me. Let me pick that name up real quick. Hold on. I was getting a lot of names dropped all over the place. <laughs> uh, and, and off of that, you know, Brett and I made the decision after that is like we after the show ended, we were like, we, we love doing primetime TV. That was always I was the only child. I, I my, you know, I have very good parents, but I also the TV kind of also had a hand in raising me. Um, I watched everything, everything. And I'm a, I've been a student of TV my entire life. I love movies, but I love TV. And, and you've so, had a lot of you've had a lot of success. Uh, you've had you've had your hand in a lot of memorable television shows that a lot of people know and love. But are there any are there any projects? And I'm sure there's plenty, but are there any products that stand out to you that you really wanted to take off that just didn't take off? And you're like, damn, man, how did this not catch on? You know, you enter into every single one hoping that it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And then, and you know, very quickly, you know that it's it, which way the wind blows. I think New Girl, as an example, is like we, we knew we had fired our backs. We knew there was a thing there. But, like, what's the longevity? Is this going to last a long time? There's other stuff like going on Joey when we thought, well, Friends is ending. We got to go on Joey. That makes sense. And then you quickly realize mathematically that um, one-sixth of Friends audiences Watch Joey, which makes sense. There's five sixths missing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, we tried. We tried hard. Yeah. We, we burned. We burned a, a heavy candle. Did you feel that. a pressure for that? Like when Joe, because obviously Joe, uh, Friends was was obviously one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. And then you you had the uh, you and your team uh, had the idea for for Joey and, and for writing for that and producing. Were you, did you feel like this intense pressure or was it just like, Hey, let's just see what happens and, and go. With it? I, I, we missed the boat the first season. We, 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 so we got under a deal at Warner brothers that first the season after friends went off the air and, uh, and Joey, we knew was getting picked up. So we thought we got to get on that show. We didn't get on that show. We got on a different show that barely saw the light of day. Uh, best cast ever, but it, it didn't work out. And uh, we went over to Joey in its second season. Um, and, and I know that the pressure for Scott Saveri and Shanna and, and all the people that, that sort of created that show was in, as you might guess, crazily high. Uh, the scrutiny was, was, was insane. Even in the second season, they were like, they were on us every step of the, excuse me, every step of the way trying to like make sure that it was like, that we were, we were playing the audience and we were, we were doing it right. And we were, you know, that they, they needed Joey to be friends and it was just never going to be, it, it right. just, you know, you knew it the moment you stepped into it going like, God, everyone's dancing so hard, tap dancing as fast <laughs> as they can, but it, it is not a thing. Right, right. So, so obviously, so I, I told you before, I'm, I'm, I'm working on New Girl uh, right now. I, I, sure. I've heard of the show. I had never watched it before in my life. Where are you in it? What's up? Where are you in it right now? I'm halfway through season one. 
Okay. All right. I'm halfway through season one. And what I do, uh, and this is actually how I met Valerie Campbell. Uh, so I was, uh, what I've been doing since October is I've been working my way through Gilmore Girls. Because oh, cool. uh, uh, where, I, I, where I grew up, we we did not we did not have Gilmore Girls. That's not a not a thing. Not a thing that me and my sister gathered around the TV to watch. You know, I get it. I get it. It's, it's so little, um, okay. yes, yeah. So like I, I I had never watched it before in my life. My roommate was uh, sitting watching it one day, and she was singing the opening theme song. I'm like, this is very white of you and i put that up on tiktok and it, it went viral and people were like sure. you should watch the show i think you like it and i'm like ah, i don't know it's not made for me and then i started watching it and i loved it and i what i do is i watch every episode and then i recap the episode and i'm you know make funny like a funny recap and i started doing the same thing for new girl yeah, cool. and it's hard it's very hard to film a funny recap for an already funny show because the punchlines that you like would write you and your team would write i'm like oh well i can't that's the punchline that i would go with <laughs> but you yeah, already right. it's like i can't do it so thanks for stealing my material that was you're welcome <laughs> 10 years after you uh you wrote it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> how well, much like, of that show was improv and how much of that was was your team so that's a great question. Uh, when when we started, Jake Kazan, who directed the pilot, you know, he's he's done Jumanji, he did Freaks and Geeks, he did uh, Undeclared. He's 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 he got his hands in a lot of different places, and his whole thing was like, you know, let let's let the cast, you know, every show as it grows becomes a synthesis of the writing and the acting. Like they they sort of inform each other, and you end up following the follower, and it becomes its own thing. This show, he sort of early on was like, let him open it up. We had really strong actors, Greenfield and, and Jake Johnson and Zoe and, and Hannah and Lamorne. In the pilot, it was Damon. Right. Very strong actors, but very strong improvisers, like incredibly strong improvisers. So we do the scripted takes. We do like one or two scripted takes and very quickly go in, go off in a million different directions. I mean, there's there's whole scenes that actually made it to TV that were not the intention of the scene. They just, we, we followed Max. Max and Jake would just open up and it would go in a billion different directions. Lamorne would pile, like it was just, it got crazy and you would have to like cut around it to make it make, to make it televisable because it obviously would get filthy at times. But uh, it was, it was, you know, I'm not going to say it was always fun because when you're right. shooting the show, it's not always fun. And, sure. but you know, so I'd go down to set and I would have a stack of, pages about that thick there were just alt jokes we call them alt jokes you know different alternative jokes for every line we'd have seven or eight different jokes that we wanted the actors to get so when we got to post we could we could play with the pieces but then the actors were giving us so much stuff that it's like it was a trade-off between who who had the best stuff and and you know i wouldn't say that like the actors did it all the time or we did it all the time it really became a synthesis of like these guys did a lot of really smart improvising and we threw them a lot of good jokes that they would work off of so it's sort of like it was it was a hand in hand thing. So it sounds like your your time on that show was incredibly difficult uh, coming up with material. And, you know, it was, <laughs> it was very hard. <laughs> no, well, the, the problem, the problem with primetime TV is that, the, you know, especially I'm already talking like the, the old man of television. Uh, <laughs> back in those days, we used to do 22 episodes. We didn't have your eight episode runs. No, we do. We used to do 22 episodes up a hill in the snow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there were seasons where we would do 27 episodes, 28 episodes. You know, we 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 did that Prince episode. That we had a whole room just working on the Prince episode for six months. That's all they did. So so you know, the season starts to get on top of you very quickly. It was a 24/7, 365 deal, and we 
I slept at my office nine times out of 10. Uh, I had a dresser full of clothes. Liz had a dresser full of clothes. We would just, we would just like live there. We lived it. And I was, you know, married. I've got three children. One of them was born during that first season. So it, it was not an easy task. What was it? What was it like casting that show? Like, uh, like, like, how did you know that you found your core group that you're like, this is, this is it, man. This is, this is going to work. How did, like, how, when did, in the process, did you know, was it even, was it while it was already filming that you were like, Oh, like, I think this is going to work. Or was it before that? No. So what was cool for this was that, uh, you know, we got Zoe on board pretty early and she was awesome in that. She showed up for almost every audition. She sat on the couch next to me and Liz and Brett, and she was there for all of it. And she would, they would read their sides and they would do their auditions. And then she would go up and she would, she would riff with them. She would, you know, go run the lines or she would, she would do scenes or, you know, we wrote a lot of scenes that never made to the show just to get, get the vibe going. She was on board for all that. So we knew early like i think max was the first one where we were like we got schmidt we got that he's he's locked he's perfect we knew when jake and max worked together that was a thing um the last piece of the puzzle to actually come on board was damon because we did not we could not figure out who coach was we just couldn't find right. the person and damon wasn't available he was on happy ending yeah he, yeah because he did was it that he filmed both pilots like around the same time is that ended up what ended up happening no, Happy Endings was already on. It had already oh, it was been already on a year or two, something like that. And the rumor was it was going to be canceled. Our casting oh, executive was like, oh, it's going away, so don't worry about it. We can go out to him. We went out to him, and then ABC picked it up. So we had him for the pilot, and then he had to go away. And, right, right. Uh, and I and I know I know he comes back uh, yes. in season three or four, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Season like one three, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, uh, one of the things that I always say in my recaps is that like those – that core group is like friends goals. Like yeah. just like just to have that kind of like cause what I love about what you and your team did is that it's not just about like, you know, let's just be silly. Like there is just this underlying depth to yes. their friendship that you don't see a lot of uh, in, in a lot of TV, in, at least in my opinion. And so you end up like not just rooting for individual people, but you end up rooting for everybody and their right. friendships and their their, their romances and the way that they support each other is is phenomenal and I, I gotta ask you about Schmidt because like how the hell could you write somebody so ridiculous yet charming <laughs> at the same time how, yeah, much, know, how was that how'd that even come to be we've we've talked a lot about that oddly uh I think the thing about Max and a character Schmidt that was interesting. And we knew from early on, like we, I can't remember how it happened, but we knew pretty early on that we, we had a deeper story for Schmidt. Like it wasn't there in the first, you know, probably the first half season or something. But at one point we saw a flashback of, of, of Nick and Schmidt in their dorm room. And we got a sense that somewhere along the way, Schmidt went through a transform transformative moment. Uh, and because he used to be a heavy kid and he and we, you know, as you get deeper in the series, you'll see he's actually like there's a much deeper, richer story there. I think because of that, instead of making that it's a funny joke, it's all great. that It's a funny joke. But I think that Liz is a playwright, first and foremost. She she came out of Yale. She she was a you know, she's a very, a very uh, a formidable playwright. And she didn't want to just let it lie on the joke. So we would once once we discovered that thing about Schmidt's past, we sort of like, you know, glommed onto it and developed it out and let it be like that. You know that this is all because of insecurity, 
And it's all because he just wants love. He's deeply in love with Nick. He deeply wants to be in love with somebody else. He's not a douchebag. He's a guy who, who's playing the part of a douchebag who's actually a sensitive little Jew. <laughs> so, you know, once we, once we reconcile that for ourselves, the rest kind of writes itself. Right, and, and then you got a guy like Max in there who's willing to go the distance right. on that. Yeah, that, I mean that's amazing. And I'm curious, do you when you're writing things now and you're producing things now? Obviously, there's been like a major shift in, I guess, what is quote acceptable and what is not in comedy nowadays. Um, which I, I mean, I'll keep sort of my personal opinions to myself in this regard. But do you Please, feel no. that? <laughs> do you think that things have? Do you think things are a little too PC now? Do you think that some of the jokes that were written back in even the early 2000s, do you think that, you know, it's fair that those jokes won't fly in 2021? It's a tough, it's a tough line. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, fortunately right now, I'm not having to write comedy right now. I'm doing a drama right now, which makes things, I'm doing a drama in Ireland. So that makes it very different, like immediately <laughs> makes it different. But I've talked a lot, I've thought about this. I've, talked a lot about it there are jokes that we did on the show that we would never get away with now there's and probably shouldn't get away with now or shouldn't have gotten away with then um you know the other side of the coin is like you need i guess the question i constantly ask is like could george carlin richard Pryor, could they exist now could we do that i mean i think when Chappelle came out with his show his his last stand-up he got he got beaten down and you sort of ask yourself, like, isn't the job of a comic to ask the tough questions that can't be asked in a conventional one-on-one -on -one situation? So I, I suppose the answer is that is the job, and yet we we can be responsible. I don't know. It's it's really complicated. It's, it's hard because it's not. It's like it's not like black or white, and like it's not like you, you pun intended sometimes, but like, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's, there's so much gray about what is acceptable and what is not. And what I love about Dave Chappelle, uh, uh, people like Dave Chappelle is that he doesn't care. You know, like he knows that that's his thing. And he's like, right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change. This is who I am. If you don't like me, you don't have to listen to me. But on the other end, he also, he's at a point now that he can create his own opportunities and people will just flock to him. But when you're, I feel like when you're, I guess when you're trying to pitch to studios and, and uh, networks now, it's just a completely different vibe, I guess, because people might be extra careful. Yeah. It's very different. I think, I think as you watch the show go on, you know, part of the, part of the issue is with the show. And I think this speaks directly to what you're talking about is like part of the issue we had with the show is like Lamorne, is a very, I'm, I'm going to speak specifically to, to Lamorne because I think it's a, it's sort of like a question that is on, is on, it's on, it's certainly on my mind. And I know we've talked about a bit about it is he came into the show late. We didn't have a lot of time to develop his character. So we sort of like went the easy jokey route. And I think what's interesting about that and interesting about Lamorne as an actor is he's, he's a very nuanced, he's very fun, like ridiculously funny. And he, one of the most charming people I've ever known. But there are times when, when you're watching, when I watch the show now and I go, oh, I don't know if we should have done that because, you know, I think where, where we, we had a lot of leeway with Max because we did have a ton of time to develop that character out. Lamorne hit the ground running in episode two and we didn't have the time to sort of like, you know, one of the things we got to do with all the actors, as I said, is we wrote scenes 
that were just for us, just so we could understand how the, what the what the, the the patterns were and the speech patterns and how they relate to each other. And does this work for the character? Does that work for the character? And I, we didn't get a chance to do that with Lamorne. So I, I feel like with his character specifically, we didn't find him until like late in the late in the game. I'm saying episode like season five. He's funny. He's really funny. But I mean, if if we're being honest, like he was the black guy. Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, and it's funny you say that because that's what what my fo- I hate calling them my, my followers because that makes me sound like I'm leading a cult. Um, no, but no. The people, the people that follow me that, that are watching it with me because I'll, I'll go live and we'll all watch it together. Um, they'll say that what exactly what you just said that Winston kind of like just ends up finding his uh, his flow, you know, as the series series goes on, and he and Winston ends up becoming a lot of people's favorite character. He's he, already I I I'm already I'm only halfway through season one. He's he's already kind of like up there, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like down the road for me. You know, I yeah. love that character. He's, he's a master of what he does. Like he's a master of. The- Lamorne is just a, a, like a fascinating human being. He brings <laughs> yeah. so much to the table that has nothing to do, even to do with race. He's just an interesting guy. And then you you put the the race, you know, knowing we're we're constantly wrestling that thing. Like, how do we not just do a stock TV black character? Like that that was a thing that was always in the forefront. Did we do it well? N- n- no, you know, not often, not not as often as I would hope. But we tried, you know. And sure. the conversation was certainly there. Lamorne was was you know. We had a lot of conversations with him. He actually came up and he wrote an episode. Uh, oh, nice! And, yeah, he wrote an episode, an episode in uh, season four, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. Was good. He, he, you know, he he was asking the right questions, and he's right. obviously insanely funny. So it's not that we didn't try. It's just like when you're in a compressed situation like this, it's hard. And thank God the guy was strong enough that as the season progresses, as the show progresses, you see like the show the. The, the, the series starts to find his dynamic and find what makes him tick. And I like to think we did some interesting stuff with him. Did we nail it? No, probably not. But you know, do you want to, do you want to quickly touch upon what happened at the end in regards to, uh, how, cause the show, from what I understand ended kind of abruptly, um, you know uh, I guess I, I'm not sure what, you know, I, I would imagine that, I think from what I heard, season six was supposed to kind of maybe be the final season. Yeah. And then season seven, they're like, give us a, like a, I guess a truncated season seven. Um, I think um, we did eight episodes of a final season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told originally season six was supposed to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shows get long in the tooth. Like they definitely like, like run, run their course, especially when you're doing By that point, we'd, ha- we'd done 140, 139 episodes in six years. That's a, that's a lot of TV. Uh, so at the end of season six, they were ready to pull the plug and, and Liz went into the executives and was like, look, can you at least let us give this show the proper send off that we think it deserves? The fans want it. We want it. The crew wants it. Everyone's ready for, for eight more episodes, eight more, eight more. I think it's eight more. Um, and yeah, and and they, and they let us do that eight. Well, I wish we would have been able to do at least like twelve or thirteen more to dig into some other stuff. But like yeah. eight was good. It was nice. Has, and, has, has any has any streaming platforms that have like come up to you and been like, hey, do you want to do this again? Maybe like because because it's obviously it's flourishing on Netflix right now. Like people doing very are well. watching it. Has any have any of them approached you just to kind of pick your brain to see if that's a possibility? Not that I know of. I should ask Liz. I I, I don't think so. And I think right now everyone would go like, eh, let's give it some time. Give it some time, but maybe maybe one day. Um, yeah, haven't yeah. heard that yet. Though. 
Yeah, well, Zoe is is she's flourishing on TikTok right now. I don't know if you have TikTok or if you're following uh, her on TikTok, but she's doing her thing right now, and people oh, love good. it. I love it. Yeah, no, look, Zoe's Zoe's a, like a phenomenal performer. Like she's she's such an interesting personality, uh, and I'm not super surprised by that at all. What's what's yeah. the sort of general tenor of her of her stream? So what she pretty much she likes to do like she'll she likes to set up duets. So like she'll like be talking to somebody off screen, like with her quirky, awkward self. And then yeah. people will just do it. And like, and all of that, like, she's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's great. Uh, she <laughs> even made the intro for new girl. She like remade it, but for TikTok. Yes. I, I did see that. Yeah. That, that got sent around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it was so great. Fun. Yeah. So that's also sure. very friendly. I just, you know, I, I don't watch anyone's streams. That's the only thing, but right. 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 Um, so my, my last question to you is, is this, and one thing I, I do appreciate you, you know, you're, you're taking your time cause I know you're busy. I know you said you're flying out to Ireland, uh, in a, in a couple of days, right. In less than a week, you're flying out there. A week from tomorrow. Right, yeah. Right. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that, um, you know, uh, last month we lost uh, a comedy legend, uh, Norm Macdonald. Yep. Uh, I have always vibed with, with his humor, uh, even back in the SNL days when I was too young to really understand what was going on, but I still sure. loved his sense of humor. And as I got older, you know, I, I really vibed with what, what he, how his approach, his delivery. I know that you worked on uh, the TV show Norm for a couple of years, I think from 99 to 2001. Yep. Um, what was it like working with Norm MacDonald? You know, I, I, I've, I've written a bit about this, especially on Facebook. I like eulogized that day because, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to Norm. It's been a while because he was reclusive for a little while. And then he, you know, he sort of came back. Norm was one of the most complicated human beings I've ever come in contact with in the best possible way. He was at turns super weird and then in unbelievably generous, like with within moments of each other. His, his approach, like I should start by saying Norm MacDonald might, might be one of the smartest people I've ever known, save for maybe Tina Fey. Uh, those are two of the smart, like truly when you talk to them, you're like, oh, you're operating at a whole other level. You're like, you're seeing things in, in 360 degrees at the same time. Norm, you know, was very mysterious about his life. He's, he's very cagey talking about his, his history, but like he would come up with these, these things where you just be like, I don't know how you got there. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Like we'd write these, these really intricate jokes for him. And when we'd shoot him in front of an audience he would blow the punchline at the top of the joke, like immediately. And then he would keep talking and he would circle back around and then he would kill with something that was like, I don't know where that came from. It, it, it was just, it was, it was impressive at, on every level. And that's, you know, that's the way he lived his life. Like he took major risks and his sort of edict for himself, I think. And all those around him were like, it can always be funnier. It can always be funnier. And then there was like, you know, like, like myself, I think even more for him, uh, uh, an astute student of stand-up comedy. Like that guy knew them all. We had, we got to, we get to have Richard Pryor on the show at the very end uh, of his life, actually. And towards the end of the show, both, both things. Um, and Richard Pryor was not communicative. Like he was, he, he had like a 10 minute span where he could talk. And I've never seen Norm get emotional before, but when he met Richard and there was a moment where he went, they took him off screen, off stage, and like they introduced him you know, to each other and, and Norm got really emotional. He was like, you're the reason I'm here. Like you're, you're everything to me. 
and you could hear him well up. And like that, I, I take that with me because it's such a, it was such a deeper understanding of a very complicated human being that I truly adored. Like I really love Norm, but he was very strange. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a comedy, he's a comedy genius, a comedy great. And I, I, I spent the last, you know, couple of weeks just listening to some of his old school stuff again. Uh, and it's, it's, it's one of a kind. And I'll, I, I can't think of many people that have just that, that, courage to, and, and patience you know when it comes to telling a joke because i think his jokes require patience and it's like it's gonna pay off you just gotta stick with me it's gonna oh, be yeah. worth it i promise if you really want to like a, a study of bravery go back and watch the uh i think it's the 2006 john stamos roast <laughs> yes it is by far because he just goes out there with the oldest jokes you've ever heard oldest jokes ever and he's slave. You hear the audience going like, "What?" And then they slowly roll. And then it becomes, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. you, you know, uh, and I want to say I, I I thank you for your for your time today. Um, you know, I actually I was thinking of you recently because I'm watching a show called Only Murders in the Building. I don't, I don't know yes. if you, um, you know, sure. And I feel like you should wa- you should write something like that. I'm like a murder <laughs> mystery kind of like half dark comedy, half serious kind of like thriller i feel like you would you would kill you would kill it you would just so kill it the thing i'm shooting right now in in ireland is 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 more drama than comedy but there's some comic elements to it it definitely feels like it's trending it's it's going that direction so yeah well you're you're welcome for giving you the idea if you Thank win you. any sort of award i expect you to be like hey listen this black guy from philly <laughs> he, he told me he told me to do it so i did it so this is for you Kyrus. <laughs> The vibe, the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sitting with me. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be out in the LA area at some point, uh, either later this year or early next year. So I'd love to, to if you're in the area, I'd love to, you know, meet Absolutely. up with you and It'd be great, and then have a cup of coffee, something like that. Uh, thank you, my friend, for sitting with me. Everybody else, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to follow me on your favorite social media pop, uh, platforms at thevibewithkai.com, where I'm always posting things that'll help you do good, feel good, be good, and live a good life full of good vibes my friend dave finkel producer of new girl among many other things everybody else thank you so much for watching as always god bless and good vibes